Happy Easter. You're listening to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Eric Roges, and I'm the executive pastor here at Rolling Hills. This Easter Sunday, we're rounding off our Easter series as we celebrate what this day is really all about. Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection were all according to God's purpose. Jesus came to us and defeated sin and death to bridge the divide between sinful man and a loving, just God. It doesn't matter how much we've fallen short in life because Jesus has paid the price for each of us personally. All we have to do is accept his invitation. We're so excited to share the promises of scripture and the love of Jesus with you today. Let's listen in. If you wanna open up to Mark chapter 16, that's where we're gonna be this morning. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we have some at the next next steps table out in the gym or gallery, however you wanna call it. I like to call it gallery, it sounds fancy. So let's do that. We'll, uh, but if you don't have one, we'd love for you to take one of those and ha- let that be yours. Um, that would be our gift to you this morning. Um, we're going we're gonna to work through the first eight verses of, the, of Mark. I, I'm, I'm incapable of working these stands. Um, yeah, lefty, loosey, righty, tidy. Don't let it fall, all those things. So um, we're, we're going to work through these first eight verses uh, of Mark chapter 16 this morning as we Uh, close out a series that we've been working through over the past couple weeks uh, talking about Easter. And so I look forward to be able to do that uh, with you this morning. You know, a lot can change in a week. Uh, A week ago today, I couldn't get off the floor of the bathroom because I was sick. And so I wasn't here. And so uh, some of you, this is your first time, you didn't want to know that about me. Um, But I'm super thankful for a team that was able to take care of that uh, and take care of things in in my stead. And what a blessing to be a a campus and to be a part of a a, a church that uh, we were able just to straight, just live stream and, and, and bring Pastor Jeff in here on last Sunday for our service uh, and so I'm super thankful for that. But so a lot's changed. I mean, I'm not sick today. Uh, that's good. Uh, but a lot of, you know, a lot can change in a week. You know, I, I think about the show um, Extreme Makeover. I know that's long ago. Some of y'all weren't even alive for that. But you remember Ty moved that bus, right? A lot can change in a week. You know, a house can go from not much to really nice house in just a week. And, and today in, in our social media world, uh, a lot can change in a very short amount of time. Just ask all the influencers and their DIY projects and the ones that we've tried in our house that, you know, they're like, hey, we transformed our whole house in one weekend. And that didn't happen for us when we tried it in one weekend. You know, have you remember when teachers would grab your ear? Maybe y'all didn't experience I did a lot. They would grab my ear when I was not listening. Uh, I want to grab an influencer's ear and just be like, yeah, you... Anyway, so, sorry, inside my, inside my wicked heart. Uh, so, but you know, it, not only can things change in, in a short amount of time, in, in a week or a, or a weekend, Scripture is clear that it can change that way as well. If you can look back and look in, the, in Scripture, and, you know, if we think back just a week before this day that we celebrate, this Easter Sunday that we celebrate, just a week before, Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem, riding on the back of a donkey, mule since we're in Colombia. And he fast forward to Thursday and he's arrested after hanging out, after sharing the Passover, sharing a meal with his disciples. He's arrested, leaving the garden of Gethsemane and put on trial there before uh, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees at midnight in the sham trial. And by nine o'clock the next morning, on Friday morning, he's on a cross. By three in the afternoon, he's crying, 
it is finished. And before sun go, before the sun goes down, Jesus, the, the, the savior of the world, the, the, the one who was born of a virgin, the one who came to rescue us, he, he was buried, he was put in a tomb. By the end of the day, by sundown on Friday. But again, we know because we're here this morning that that's not the end of the story, that, that a lot can change in just a weekend. And Friday afternoon, you can put Jesus in the tomb, but he's not gonna stay there for very long. Because on Sunday, by the time we get to Sunday, lots has changed. By the time we get to the passage that we're gonna read this morning in Mark chapter 16, there's a lot that has changed that truly everything has changed. And I mean everything, that Easter morning the tomb is empty and Christ is risen. My prayer this morning as we continue to work through this and work through these eight verses in Mark chapter 16 is that this morning, even though we know the truth of Easter is good, not just on Easter, but every day, that the resurrection of Jesus is good for us every day, but that this morning on this special day in our calendar, that this would not just be one of those mornings, that it wouldn't just be another day on our calendar, that it wouldn't just be another day that we, or one of those days that we dress up a little bit more than we dressed up last Sunday and we'll dress up next week. That it would be just a little bit more than, than a day that we get to take a picture in the gallery of our family and I hope you get to do that. I hope that it's a little bit more than just one of those days where you, where you get to eat a, a, a good meal and steal some of your kids' candy and teach them about taxes by taking some parents. It's just as part of it. You just got 33% or whatever it is. I don't know what the number is. My prayer is today that the resurrection of Jesus Christ would so capture our attention. The resurrection of Jesus Christ and the empty tomb would so capture our attention and stir our heart's affection that by grace this morning as we leave this gathering together, that we would leave here changed. That our faith would be ignited and, and, our, and our love for Jesus would be deepened and that we would, we would be moved by this incredible news that was declared on this Sunday to a group of ladies in a graveyard that Jesus is risen and everything is changed. In Mark chapter 16, when we, these, verse, these eight verses that we're gonna read, what we're gonna focus on is the invitation that's there in the, the empty tomb. That as we look at the empty tomb, there's an invitation from Jesus that's there for us in the empty tomb. And what we've done over the past several weeks is, as we've gathered here is just slow down a little bit as we read these passages. And so I wanna ask you just this morning as we do this again, just to slow down. Maybe, it, maybe the best way for you to pay attention is to put your Bible aside. Maybe it is to read, maybe it's to follow along up here. But whatever it is, maybe to close your eyes, whatever it is, listen as if maybe this is the first time you've heard it. And hear these, these words from Mark's gospel, the first eight verses of chapter 16. This is the word of the Lord, it says this. That when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint Jesus's body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But then they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And they entered the tomb and they saw a young man dressed in white robe, sitting at the right side, and they were alarmed. Verse six, don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now, but go and tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee 
where you'll see him just as he told you. And trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to see the wonderful and beautiful things in your word. And I pray that, God, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to your sight and that you would be glorified above all names as we open your word together. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. So Mark chapter 16 is one, is the ending of Mark's gospel. And Mark is one of those, is a fast paced book. If you look at Mark, it's just 16 chapters, but it's full of this activity as Jesus moves from one thing to the next thing over and over again. It's super fast paced. In Mark chapter 16, as we get to the, the resurrection story, it really is a snapshot. If you go to the other, other gospels, there's much more about what happens at the tomb and those things. But Mark gives us this quick snapshot, but it's not insignificant. It's not insignificant like all of the photos that are on our phones that are just us taking pictures of random things, especially the food that we ate last night at our dinner. Like it's not insignificant in that way. What, what, what this snapshot that Mark gives us is truly the climax of Christ's story. If even to say it a little more, this is the climax of human history. That this is the, the moment that history changes. And still today, this gospel, the story, and what happens in these eight verses that Mark gives us a snapshot is, is, is what changes the lives of individuals on a daily basis. Because the empty tomb, and if you have your worship guide, you can write this in. The empty tomb, the empty tomb of Jesus invites us into a new life or full life with Jesus. The empty tomb of Jesus invites us into a full life or a new full life with Jesus. See, Jesus said that he came to give life and to give it abundantly. And the fact that he, the tomb is empty is evidence of that life and that invitation into that abundant life. And there's three things that I really kind of want to flesh out from this passage, really from just three parts of three verses inside of these eight that I want to look at and, and over the next little bit about this full life that the empty tomb invites us into. And the first one is this, that it invites us into a life of peace, a new peace. If you're taking notes, you can fill this in, into a new peace that the empty tomb declares that God is with you and that God is for you. Amen. Isn't that just incredible just to think of God is with us and he is for us. As you think about these ladies, this group of ladies that go to the tomb just three days after Jesus was buried or put in the tomb and laid there by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, what happens is at the end of three o'clock, Jesus cries, it is finished. And it's a little bit of surprise that Jesus has died this quickly. It usually doesn't take this long. They were gonna break the legs of him because they knew it was the, the Passover feast. It was, a, it was going into the Sabbath and it was a big kind of a, a big moment. And so they were gonna break the legs of him, but they didn't. But Jesus had already died. And Joseph of Arimathea, who was a, a, a wealthy man, a well-known man in the city, had gone and asked for the body of Jesus from Pilate. Pilate gave him access. And because it was, the, it was the evening of the Sabbath and on sundown on Friday is the beginning of Sabbath, they didn't have a lot of time. So they wrapped Jesus' body hastily and they put him in the tomb. 
So because it's Sabbath, if you know, if you don't, maybe you don't know the Old Testament, it t- tells them not to do any work on the Sabbath. And so it's Friday evening, Friday sundown until sun, Saturday sundown, there's no work to be done. And so these are good Jewish people. These are good Jewish men and women that, that aren't going to do any work between that time. But it's sun up on Sunday. And now they've gone to the tomb to give Jesus a proper burial. And they arrive and this huge stone that had been rolled in front of the tomb had already been rolled away. And so they run inside and in verse five, where we'll pick up, it says they entered the tomb and there was, a, there was a man, a young man dressed in a white robe sitting the right side and they were alarmed. First thing I wanna point out about this in verse five is that this young man that's in the white robe is an angel. Right? We know that because if you go to the other gospel accounts, it's an angel that's there. I don't know why Mark decided to say it was a young man. I don't know. We'll ask him when you get to heaven if you're worried about it. But it was, a, it was an angel, right? And so they walk into, this, into the tomb and there there's an angel in the tomb and it says that they were alarmed. And listen, you would have been alarmed too. First, because there was an angel in the tomb. And if you think about angels, I know sometimes that what comes into our minds are these like precious moments, little dolls, or these like fat, chubby little babies that are, that are angels. That's not what's happening here. Because throughout scripture, angels are pictured or, or told to us that they're these impression, impressive, mighty, strong beings. They're, they're angels of light or warriors of light. And so I, I can tell you that, that I would have been alarmed. Truly, if I'm honest, I probably would have passed out. I walk in to a tomb where I'm expecting Jesus to be. There's a dude that's real big and mighty and he's gleaming white. I'd have just fell over. It'd have been over. They just laid me in there and be like, the dude died. I don't know what happened. The second reason they're alarmed is because Jesus isn't there. You know, first there's an angel, but who's not there is Jesus. The body of the one that they had gone to prepare for burial wasn't there. I'm a dad, I have three kids, and so it's not surprising. I'm not alarmed when I put something in one place and I go back to find that thing and it's not in the place that I put it, right? Because I have kids. But a dead body would alarm me. If I knew, if Mary Magdalene and these ladies were at the tomb, they saw where the, the stone was rolled away. It tells us in the other gospels that they saw this happen. And so they knew that Jesus was there, but he wasn't there when they showed up. And so they were alarmed. And you keep going, verse six, it says this. The angel says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. Now again, we're, gonna pause. we're not gonna do this the whole time, but we're gonna pause again. I think this is funny because he says, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. That's hilarious. Where else would you look for somebody who was crucified? Right? They're in the tomb. That's exactly what they're doing. They're looking for Jesus who was crucified because he was crucified. They're in the graveyard. That's where they go to look for this. I mean, so the angel gets it right. That was really funny to me. Obviously not to you. Maybe I'm, uh, I don't know. Maybe too much candy got y'all hyped up or y'all crashing at this point. But that's where you would go to look for somebody that was crucified is in the tomb, in the, in the, in the graveyard where, where they were. But secondly, and I think this is more importantly, is What we need to pause and understand is what he says. He says, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. And the reality of that statement is so, so important for us because he was crucified. Just days before he hung on a cross and was crucified for sins, for my sin and for your sin. 
for the sins of these ladies who showed up in the, in the tomb that day. He was crucified for their sins. And that crucifixion, what Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, that crucifixion that the angel announced at the tomb that day, that crucifixion is what's bought us that peace that the tomb invites us into. See, on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty that our sin purchased for us. And he bought us peace. The, the rebellion that happened, the, our sin doesn't start with us though. You gotta go all the way back to the book of Genesis and see in Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve, the apex of God's creation, decide that they can do it better than God. And that's really what sin is. That Jesus, God has put them in this paradise. He's provided everything that they need for, for life, everything. They're, they're in relationship with God. And, and in a moment, they decide that, that they can do it better. So they take the fruit of the only tree in the whole garden that God said, don't eat of. And they said, we think we can do life better than you've told us to do it. And what enters into life from that moment is chaos and brokenness. Everything but peace. And it doesn't end there. It doesn't end in that moment. It does that that chaos and that brokenness, it doesn't stop in the garden. It spreads like wildfire and it doesn't, it doesn't take much for us to see it. If we just look around, watch the news this afternoon, look around in your neighborhood, look in your own heart and realize that you've experienced the same chaos that is a part of what happened here and what these ladies are experiencing as they walk into the tomb. And it's what began in the garden spread like wildfire and our sin, no, no, no matter where you are, is no different. It's all rebellion against a perfect God. But, but these women on this Easter morning, when they entered into the tomb, mourning the, lo the loss of Jesus, their lives in chaos, what the, the angel says is don't be alarmed. He says, don't be alarmed because Jesus was crucified and that crucifixion brought you peace. Isaiah tells us this, that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was on him brought us peace. And by his wounds, we were healed. Paul writes this in Colossians, for God was pleased to have the fullness, his fullness dwell in him, meaning Jesus, the fullness of God dwelled in Jesus and through him to bring reconciliation, that's peace to himself of all things, think, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, by that reconciliation through his blood shed on the cross. And so Jesus, or the, the angel declares, don't be alarmed, the one that was crucified, that one that was crucified, he's not here. But his crucifixion brought you peace because that what Christ did, that sacrifice paid the full penalty. There's no other sacrifice that would be sufficient. You couldn't, let, you couldn't line up or, or stack up enough of your good deeds against all of the bad things. Or you, can't, you can't give your Sunday school records and say this was enough. It says in Isaiah again, it tells us that our righteous acts are like filthy rags. They don't match up, but on the cross, what Christ accomplishes on us on our behalf what he does on our behalf, we could never do on our own. He paid a debt. You've heard this before, maybe from somewhere in it, but it's not cliche. He paid a debt that we could never pay so that we could have a peace that we would never earn, that we could never earn ourselves. And so here this morning, the question is, for us is, do you feel that brokenness? 
Is that you this morning? Are you one of these ladies who's walking into the, into the tomb broken and, and lives are in chaos because you just don't understand what's going on around you? Maybe things are just broken and, and messed up all around you. Maybe you've had some family or things that are falling apart. And, and right now what I wanna say to you is that when it comes to Easter, when we come to this place maybe because that's what we're supposed to do or somebody invited you and you wanna make them happy, Maybe you don't know why you're here. Maybe the same reason those ladies had no idea what they were at the tomb for. But I believe the message of the angel that morning is the same message for some of us this morning who are just here but to make somebody else happy or we really don't even know why. Is that really what we're seeking in lives that are dark and in desperate need of something is what we're seeking is that, that Jesus who was crucified. You're here this morning and you, you maybe just showed up because this was the thing to do to, because it's Easter. But truly what you're here for and you maybe didn't even know it is that what you're searching for is the crucified Christ because he's the only one that's gonna bring the peace that you're longing for. The second thing that we see in this passage and I believe this is incredibly important is, is that, that the tomb invites us into a new life. The empty tomb is an invitation into a new life, a full life. The empty tomb declares that death has been defeated and it promises new life to all those who trust in him. I worked through, over a little bit, I worked through a, a bunch of lists of different fears, the common human fears, right? And top 10 list of, of things that we're scared of as humans and we experience this together. And there's a handful of things that are on the, that, that I saw that are on all of these lists as we kind of work through, as I kind of work through them. And, and, and I'll give you a couple of the ones that I saw that I thought were interesting. That uncertainty is on the, the top 10 list of things that humans fear. Any of y'all fear uncertainty? I, I, I can understand that. Just kind of the ambiguity of what's next, not knowing what's happening. You're type A's. You have to have a plan, right? I get it. You're, so that's one of the things that you fear. Strangers. Right? I, don't, I don't necessarily fear strangers, but some of you still have stranger danger. I get it. Germs. I know some of you have Germex in your, in your purse or in your pocket, and right now you cannot do anything but think about putting Germex on your hands because I said something about germs. I get it. That's a human fear. Rejection is a common human fear. Public speaking, which means, let's just put this out there, that currently I am doing what you are most afraid of in life, which is pretty hilarious to me. Needles, I know somebody in my family that that's a part of their, theirs. Heights, snakes, agreed. Loneliness, but at the top of most of the list that I looked at, as I was looking for the list of things that humans fear, the top of the list on most of these lists is the fear of death. That is a human experience. One of the things that we fear, fear the most, and maybe it's the uncertainty. I, I don't know, maybe it's what's gonna happen in that moment. But one of the things that we experience as humans is a fear of death. And these ladies, as they approached the tomb on that first Easter morning, it was all too much for them. The death of, their, of this Jesus, this one that they had followed was just overwhelming. It was unthinkable. And the same was true for the disciples because you look that they're in the other gospels, it tells us that they're tucked away kind of in a hideout. And, and for both of them, it was the loss of Jesus, the one that they had followed, but also the loss of the dreams and hopes that went along with it. And, and, and so we've all, all of us at some level have experienced this same kind of fear. 
the fear of death, or experience the pain that comes with death. People have, that we love have died, that we've gone through death of somebody that was close to us, or, or we've gone through a tragic, a tragic loss of somebody that, that we think died too early. Maybe you've gone through a miscarriage or the loss of a child, so you know the pain of death. But it's not just physical death. I would say that there's also the death of dreams, the death of hopes and desires, the death of relationships, maybe a marriage that crumbles or a, or, or a job that falls apart. And there's death that happens. And so there's a distinct pain, excuse me, death has a distinct pain for us. There's a painful sting that we've all experienced in our lives. And the ladies, as they come to this tomb that morning, were not there to celebrate Easter. They were on their way mourning the loss of someone that was dear to them. They weren't there with their white shoes and their, their big smiles. They, they weren't there to take a family picture. They were there mourning the loss of someone that was dear to them because the sting of death had stung them deeply. And the angel in the middle of all of those emotions in chapter, six, chapter 16, verse six says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified, period. He is risen, exclamation point. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. And there in a graveyard on this Easter Sunday morning when they were on their way to mourn the loss of the one that had, they had followed, this angel preaches the first Easter sermon to a group of ladies in a graveyard. And the, and the sermon is very simple, that he is risen that he is not here. And so we have to pause and ask, what does that mean for us? And what it means for us is that death, death, which is one of the greatest fears of humans, it's one of the most painful experiences that all of us go through, that death has been defeated by a risen Christ. Truth of that, no, nobody escapes. All of us are gonna walk through death. We're all gonna face it. But today, because of, the de because of the death, burial, and resurrection, because of this sermon that this angel preaches to these ladies in a graveyard, we have hope that death is not the end of the story. That it's not over. That for those who put their faith in him, there's the promise of new life and life abundant. First Corinthians, Paul writes this in chapter 15. It says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? I'm gonna do something that I, haven't, I don't do very often, but we're gonna pause. I'm gonna share a video with you this morning of some close friends of mine that sat down to tell the story of death's sting that happened to them in the past year. But how death's sting was not the final part of the story, that Jesus and his resurrection, that death was not the end, there was new life, I wanna share, share this video with you. So watch this and then we'll jump back in in just a moment. I'm Misty Woodford. I was married to Jeff Woodford for 17 years. We actually met at church. We got married in May of 2004. The whole time we've been at Rolling Hills, he's been at the preschool welcome desk wearing a big orange shirt. He was such a big and lively personality, just such a huge part of the church and such a great role model for me, even in the tough love, but also making me laugh and just gave the best hugs on planet Earth. 
So February 15th, um, Jeff went to the hospital, my husband, with COVID symptoms. He'd been suffering at home for a week, um, got a breathing treatment. They sent him home, went back the following day because he was getting worse. Um, the day after that, on February 17th, he um, was moved to the ICU. They decided he needed to be put on a ventilator. And then on March 4th, we life flighted Jeff to Centennial Medical Center where he was put on ECMO treatment, which is a heart-lung bypass oxygen-adjacent treatment. Um, was also on kidney dialysis there. He got much better. During the kids' spring break, the kids actually got to see him for the first time in over a month. Had a great day at the hospital. He was really alert, doing super well. March 19th, um, we started talking about his discharge plan. March 21st, the oxygenator on his ECMO machine failed. They changed that out early in the day on the 21st. It was considered successful surgery. All of his vitals looked good. And then the next morning on the 22nd, the doctors were making rounds and asked me if he had had any response to me yet that day. And I was like, no. They said, well, we want to do a CT scan just to make sure. An hour later, Dr. John Adams came walking down the hallway, and I knew from the look on his face what he was getting ready to tell me. And he said it was the worst aneurysm and brain bleed he had ever seen. I called Pastor Jeff and talked about what we should do about the kids and made the decision to let the day that they had seen him over spring break be their last memory. And then we went to school and had to tell the kids that their daddy wasn't coming home. Nobody thinks they're going to be a widow and single mom at 42. Like, I have a plan A, B, and C for life, and that wasn't part of any of those. Over the summer, as things calmed down, I would say that's when the true grief just set in, and you're like, oh, this is a lot. If people are asking how to do church, they just need to see how our church has surrounded us. I mean, the church walked the whole journey with us. They. They didn't just show up. They were, you know, walking beside us. They carried us. There are multiple families at Rolling Hills because they saw the way our family was left through this. You know, one of my favorite songs is The Cross Has the Final Word. But the cross didn't have the final word. If the cross had the final word, it ends in death. The empty tomb had the final word. When my dad was in the hospital, like his second day, the verse he got on his like Bible app was John 11:4, and it says, but the sickness will not end in death, but it'll be used for the glory of God so that God's son may be glorified through it. And we took that as he's not gonna die. This is not gonna kill him. And so the day he passed away, we were just sitting there in silence and there was tears and there was just such a heaviness. And then for some reason, I just said, you know, death did not win his earthly body may have stopped breathing, but he continues to be alive and live and has the breath of life in him in heaven. That's eternity. That's what made my dad who he is. And I just think that's what the Easter story is. And I have it too. And I can continue to live out his legacy and it will not die because it has the message and testimony to Jesus in it, which is everlasting. We're all running towards death.
But for those who have put their faith in Jesus, death is not the final word. We, businesses and marketing has made, has made millions and billions of dollars around the idea or this human desire for us to escape death and aging, but truly there's only one who's defeated death and his name is Jesus. And he's given us an invitation to a new life and a full life with him if we would put our faith in him. So we, we have new peace and we have a new life, a full life, a promise of, of eternal life if we put our, our faith in him where death is swallowed up in victory. And then the third that I believe that the Woodfords understand as well is that we have a new hope. That the empty tomb declares God has a purpose and a plan for your life. The empty tomb declares that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. In verse seven, as you go back to the passage, it says that the angel tells him to go back and tell the disciples and Peter that he, meaning Jesus, is going ahead of them to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. These guys that had followed Jesus for, for three years and given all of their lives, they'd, they'd, they'd left so much. They, they had vanished and, and gone and hid out and, and didn't, they, had, they literally had lost all hope. They had seen Christ do all of these amazing things, but they had lost hope. The stress of the situation was just too great. And then there was Peter who had just the night before Christ, on the eve of Christ being arrested and then moments or hours later being crucified, on that eve before he was crucified, he had stood before Jesus and told him that he would never run away. He would never deny him. He would follow him. He would even give his life. And then hours later, after he had made that declaration, he did exactly what he said that he would never do and denied Jesus three times in the courtyard outside where the trial was being done. Maybe some of you know what that's like. Maybe you've been down that road where you've, with gritted teeth, said you're never gonna do something again or you, you would never do something like that. And maybe fast forward some time, you look back and you know that you didn't keep that promise or you did that thing that you said you would never do. And, and I would love to say that I don't have that experience, but I do. And I can tell you that it's heartbreaking. And I can't imagine what, Paul, what Peter in this moment feels, the disappointment and the shame that he felt. And, and, but at the reality that, that he's scared and hopeless and he, he had already denied Christ and now Jesus is dead. So there's truly no hope. Maybe you feel that way this morning as well. That you're truly at the end of your rope. Maybe you can't understand what's going on. Maybe life has thrown you some, some curveballs or multiple curveballs and things have kind of fallen apart around you and you feel hopeless. Maybe it's not something that life has thrown you. Maybe it's just bad decisions and you know it was your bad decision, but you're looking at it and all you can see around you is shame and brokenness and sorrow and you have no hope. But I can tell you that the story, that this sermon, that this preached in the, in the graveyard and the tombs there to these ladies is a sermon that it needs to be preached to us this morning because what the angel says to them as a message from God speaking on God's behalf to these ladies, you, we need to hear because he says this, go tell the disciples and Peter and Peter and Peter, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There he, you will see him just as he told you. Here's what I want you to hear. The story, the sermon that the, that the angel continues here and the lines there that, that we just read is that what Jesus is saying is that he's not done with you. 
I don't care what the history, what the shame and, and, the, and the sorrow and the marks that you have behind you, he's not done with you. What this, what this empty tomb invites us into is a life of hope, a life where he says he has a purpose and a plan for your life. He's not done with you. That's the message that he's saying to these, guys, to these ladies that they're gonna go tell the disciples and specifically to Peter, to, to, to the man who had denied him, he's intentional about saying it, is that God is not done with you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And the empty tomb for us this morning is an invitation into a life of hope where God has a purpose and a plan for us. A lot can change in a week. A lot can change in even a weekend. And I believe according to scripture that a lot can change in a moment. Because I believe that this morning, one of the things that we have to recognize is that there's really three places Three, thing, three places that we fall into, three categories that we fall into. This morning, there's some of us who, who've come to this place this morning and, and we've put our faith in Jesus and we know that Jesus is our savior and you can celebrate that. You're walking as a disciple of Christ and, and you are his disciple. There's others of you who know that you're not, who you, you know that you don't have a relationship with God and maybe you don't care. But the reality is that we're, we're, you're either in the place where you know, you either pray, you're in the place where you know that you don't have a relationship or you're in a place where you're questioning that relationship. You're questioning what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And for all three of those places, one, I wanna celebrate the fact that you've put your faith in Jesus. And even to you, I wanna challenge you a little bit this morning, not just to pass this morning by and just say, yeah, I made that decision one time at camp when I raised my hand or when the pastor prayed. I wanna invite you to evaluate even where you are. For those of you who know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus and, you're, and you really don't care, maybe you're just, again, you're here to make somebody else happy. I wanna challenge you this morning. Has it worked for you so far? Do you experience this joy? Do you experience joy and peace and, and the satisfaction in, in the life that you've, that you've lived so far? Or is there something missing? And I would say that to you that just what the angel says is what you're seeking is not another thing. It's not another raise. It's not another relationship. It's, a re it's Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus. For those of you who are questioning, I couldn't imagine a better place for you to be this morning. I couldn't imagine a better moment for you to have this morning where you're saying, I don't know what it means, but I sure would like to find out. Listen, we're in a world where we wanna, where, I know this is one of those buzzwords, where we wanna deconstruct everything. Go ahead and deconstruct it, but deconstruct it here where the truth is being preached, where we can work it out together. I'm not nervous about you asking questions about Jesus. I'm fine. He's answered more questions than you can imagine. So if you've got questions, let's go. But let's do it together. Let's have a conversation about what that means together. The card that you have, I wanna make sure we give a second to this and we're gonna wrap this up. That on the back side of that card where we give an opportunity for you to share your prayer requests, at the top of that right now, it says, where are you, where are you today? 
And the, the, four, the four categories is, is this, that one, it's saying that I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior today so that you've made that decision. And if that's you today in the time that we have left this morning, if you're making that decision to follow Christ, man, so, that's so awesome. I'd love for you to check that box and let us know that. Not so that you can just check a box, so that you can, so I can follow up and we can have a conversation about what that decision means. Maybe you know, maybe the second is that you, that, that, that second box is that you believe in Jesus, but you need to take that next step. And specifically that next step is baptism. I can tell you that in just a couple weeks, May 1st, we're gonna have a baptism Sunday. So if you need to take that next step, we're gonna baptize on that Sunday, May 1st. I'd love for you to be a part of that baptism Sunday. So check that box. Let us know that you're ready to take that next step. The, the fourth or the third is this, that I'm committed to Jesus and I'm as a disciple and I'm living a life for him incredible. But lastly, I don't know. I don't know about Jesus' claims, but I'd like to talk some more to someone about it. It takes a lot of courage to check that box this morning and drop it in an offering basket as it passes. But I can tell you that it'll be the best decision that you ever make. It'll be the best decision that you ever make. Because the empty tomb that we celebrate this morning is, a, is an invitation to a full life, a life of peace and a life of hope, a life that never ends, a life that says in scripture that the old has passed away, but the new has come. I'm gonna pray and then the band's gonna come. I'm gonna invite our ushers to come forward too as, as in this moment. I'll give you a little bit of time to fill out that card. If you don't drop it in the offering right now, that's fine. You can, drop it in the, you can drop it off at the Next Steps table on your way out. But please let us know uh, that you are here and especially about the decision that you've made this morning. Let me pray for us. Pray for our offering as well. Jesus, we thank you for the message of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, that the tomb is empty and that empty tomb is an invitation to a full life an abundant life, as your word says. And this morning, I, I don't know where, where everybody in this room is, but I'm convinced that not everybody is in the place where they know you and they've trusted you and they're walking with you as a disciple. I believe that there are questions. I believe that there are those who, have, who are 100%, they know that they don't have a relationship with you. And I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would move this morning and begin to soften that heart. I pray that seeds of the gospel would be planted right now that, that would grow into new life. I pray that even as our kids are hearing the story of the gospel and the story of the empty tomb in, in, in the back there, God, that you would plant seeds of the gospel there that would grow and flourish into new life. And I pray that those who are asking questions would feel comfortable asking questions to a God who has answers. God, would you take the offering as it's given this morning? And I thank you for those who give faithfully and consistently. God, I pray that our guests would not feel at all compelled to give, that they would just, have a, they would just enjoy this time together this morning. I pray that you would take these offerings and you would use them for your glory. As we share the message of an empty tomb as an invitation to a full life from our neighbors to the ends of the earth. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. 
If this podcast episode has blessed you in some way, we hope you will tell a friend about us and subscribe so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Be sure to explore other great podcasts like the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the Rolling Hills Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. See you next time, and God bless.